Hi, my name is Alex Canyon. I'm 34, almost 35 years old, and I play epic electro progressive power pop synth metal on Eurovision stages, and I'm a sand groper. I'm a first generation Australian. My mother was from Ipswich in England, and my father was born in uh, the United States of America. They met here in Perth in the early 80s, and they had me in 1988, and so I was born and raised here. I did consider moving, and I had a lot of friends that moved to Melbourne uh, to pursue their musical careers, and I don't know. I just, I was always, all my family are here, everything I know is here. I did come to really appreciate Perth and really fall in love with the city again after having travelled. I think just it's such a picturesque, beautiful, laid-back place that you can you can shift gears and go a little bit faster if you need to, but you don't have to. And also, it's just so beautiful and safe and we are truly, truly lucky to call this place our home. I really like to see maybe the entertainment industry kind of like um, maybe take a step up in Perth, um, i.e. maybe like more like the film industry doing more stuff here, um, which would open up a lot more work for all the creative types in Perth. Maybe not necessarily music. I mean, music would also like would flourish with maybe some more opportunities. But given Perth's distance from everywhere, a band like Voyager and and like one of one of our major hurdles is just getting to places where people are in order to play. Being sustainably um, well, being sustainable as a band in Perth is very very difficult, just by virtue of the expense it is to travel everywhere else to do what you need to do which is perform for people so yeah if there was some kind of way we could bring more people in uh, like the tourism industry i know that there was there was chats of this world-class um, facility being built in Fremantle, i think for the film industry that got botched for whatever reason um that would have gone so well if it had gone ahead there's many improvements to be made i, I really do think we've got a lot going for us um and i i think that it'll happen eventually. I always wanted to be an actor, just kind of fell in love with Jim Carrey and, and just making people laugh. That was my main thing. And then I went to high school and I wanted to play music, but I was too, I don't know, I was too far gone. I didn't know anything about music. So um, I just started jamming with my friends at, at, uh, at lunch times and then them playing Blink-182 songs and all the rest just kind of egged me to try and play, play music. But my mum was a singer in cover bands in the 80s and my dad was a bass player as well. And uh, yeah, so my dad had a bass under the bed. So I just kind of got that out, used his amplifier and just sat with a CD player in my room when I was in year eight. Yeah, and just did that. I didn't have a computer or the internet or anything. So it's actually a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to um, really work on my oral skills and I can just pick up anything and it helped me later on. Um, and what I really like about the bass guitar is that I, I can play it with my hands. Like I don't need, I don't need a, a pick. I don't need a bow or anything. Like I can be fully connected 
to this instrument that's vibrating yeah. against me. Um, yeah. and, and I play guitar as well. Like I've played guitar. I started guitar about eight months after I started playing bass. And one has really helped me uh, inform the other. I just ping pong from both of them. I only started singing out of, out of necessity. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was in a band and our singer left and I'd been doing some backing vocals and I just kind of, I like the challenge. I, I, I like to challenge myself musically and in anything really, like if there's a position where I think, oh, I, I could probably do that, then I'll, I will try for it. Yeah. And just by virtue of sticking it out, I've become better. And then what, what freaks me out is that I've never really considered myself a singer. However, I sing hours and hours every week doing cover gigs mm. and also now I'm a Eurovision singer and that just blows me away yeah it's weird it's been a journey with Voyager I mean I started when I was 19 in 2007 I joined um so I've been basically just trying to get ahead with them every year since you know doing our best doing our utmost to to drive the band further and further and now all these years later, it's kind of, it's just exploded with this Eurovision dream that was something that would never have anticipated would have gone ahead. So yeah, we just tried heaps. We had a really persistent manager as well, which really helped. Um, there's so much behind the scenes work that happens in order for a band like us to get to the Eurovision stage. We need to prove ourselves over and over again. Uh, we need to have the experience. So. Now that it's happened and now that we were in that position, we were so ready. We're like more than ready, um, which makes it seem like we're just pulling it off really easily. There's a few performances. I mean, maybe there was eight in total. Yeah, okay. So by the end, I was like, yeah, I was just running through the cues. Yeah. And I had to snap myself out. I was like, Alex, you're too relaxed. <laughs> There's 11,000 people here. And I'm like, oh, you know, but it's not being broadcast yet. So I can probably just take it easy. You know, I was just so relaxed and just knowing that I was on that stage and I was meant to be there and I was uh, I I feel at home there I feel like I feel the most um adept at anything in my life when I'm on the stage so with Voyager I've got three minutes to do what I need to do and uh yeah so there was some part of me that was like dude just like get excited maybe get a little bit nervous yeah, because yeah. it's going to help yeah. yeah and it's good to try and, and and I love when I achieve that flow state in music Oftentimes I am in my own head though, yeah. like I'm always in my own head thinking about stuff. So when you do hit that state of just like trance and I'm just not thinking, I'm just doing and it's, it's really magical. It's like, it's really beautiful. But there's something about music that any music lover will be able to relate with. It's just that, that feeling of connecting with this art that, you know, is, I guess it's uh, in intrinsic in human nature now because we've been doing it for so long just from a heartbeat and feeling rhythm and feeling the movement and then feeling the connectedness of locking in with other individuals doing the same thing in in unison and in harmony and it's yeah i mean you can get as metaphorical with it and yeah. philosophical with it as as you want it's like it is beautiful to to i guess maybe have that that feeling of communicating in a way that isn't with your with your mouth, yeah. just saying words. I don't feel like I've ever had community, like really, other than just my friends. The, the closest thing I would have felt to that is just in a band, which is like, 
I don't know how communal that is. I mean, there's like five people max, right? Or four other people that I can be that way with. And I feel that with Voyager, which I'm very lucky. Um, but it's fleeting and a lot of it's a grind. It's not like I'm, you know, we're working, we're doing stuff. And being from Perth, I, I grew up with like AFL footy and, yeah. and all the, and sports, which I had no interest in. Yeah. Um, so when you're in primary school age and, you know, like I'd play and it was fine. It was like, I wasn't like awful at it. I was still able to participate, but I never felt like, yeah, I'm a football player. I love footy or I love cars or I love this and that. Like I loved movies, but everyone likes movies. And as a kid, there's not really any clubs for that or anything. Um, There is some weird and like, and I don't know, painful dichotomy there of wanting to belong, but also not wanting to belong at the same time. I mean, I really, I, even now I, I get imposter syndrome, like social media is such a big thing. And I like, I scroll and I see people doing 30 second clips. I'm like, I could, I can do what they're doing, but I don't like, I've sat down to record it and it's not exactly perfect how I need it to be. And then I feel crap about myself and then I just abort and I just leave it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, I don't, I've, I, don't think that I need to prove myself in terms of like my resume because I've just been doing this for so long and more than most people I know but still I feel like I yeah I don't I don't belong I'm not good enough or I'm not there yet which is kind of a blessing in disguise I feel because I'm always I'm always driving I've always got something else to do I don't feel completely satisfied like but why is something that I'm putting out there it's almost like I feel it's my best face. It's my best part of myself that I want to be put out there. And I don't want anyone to find fault with it, even though there is beauty in the faults. And that's what I love about music as well is when there are faults and I can hear that there's glitches or there's weird things going on. It's, it's idiosyncratic and that's where the beauty is really. Yeah. For us putting out our latest album, Fearless and Love, it, is kind of the continuation of the band. I mean, like as a band, we try and put out albums every two, three years. So this was the next one. It just so happens, we happen to go on this crazy Eurovision journey. Australia decides we write a song called Dreamer, which comes second in the competition. Then we go on to record the rest of the album. And then we face vinyl processing delays. So logistically, we have to put the album on the back burner because we need to package it with the, with the record, mm. right? Um, then by the end of 2022, we think, let's, let's apply for big Eurovision. Um, so we do that, get in, and now we're like, okay, now we need to postpone the album again. This album is like, it's got an entire t- television journey wrapped up in it, and it's turned our world upside down. It's changed everything for us. Um, so it's kind of special that within that album that we had the music for anyway, there's this like this huge journey and just in those two songs, Dreamer and Promise. Yeah, but the album itself is beautiful. Like I love it. It's heavy and it's what we're going for is uplifting melancholy. I think maybe you're, you're sitting in a dark candlelit bath and, you're, and you feel, you maybe feel emotional about something that's happening, but you, you, you also feel hope. You feel like you're able to get out of it and you will become better. Promise just encapsulates 
uh, this wild Eurovision journey. Uh, it, it also signifies us changing as a band. We changed our songwriting approach for this and we leveled up as individuals in a collective. Um, yeah, we're just trying to fit everything into three minutes that we do, condense everything that we, we love, which is extended songs, into three minutes, into the mainstream um, as a representation of us as a band and also try and communicate our nation with that as well to the world. Um, I don't know if there's any song more powerful <laughs> that, that we have in our repertoire um, than, than Promise. From the feedback that we've had online and from everyone that's spoken to us, they really feel that we've encapsulated something about Australia. And I didn't realize that it was, that's what we were doing. But we did, we played a lot of these like Eurovision pre-parties and in our backdrop in the, when we were playing on the stage, they have these huge LED screens behind us. And towards the end of the song, we had us on Hut Lagoon um, in Calberry. Um, or in, uh, in Geraldton. So there's this beautiful drone footage and it says Nanda country, Western Australia down the bottom. And I, you know, I remember just ever, every now and then I do a spin or something and I just see it at myself on the hut lagoon with my friends. And you know, we're in Spain, we're in the Netherlands. The Netherlands were playing to 5,000 people there and just showing this, showing our state while we're performing this song was so special. I mean, going back to the community question, the, the, the lack of feeling of, of national pride or Australianism, I feel was like, I've never felt more Australian than when I was representing Australia at, at Eurovision. And I kind of always feel that we've tried to do our best to represent mainly our scene and as an Australian band on the various tours that we've been on internationally over the years. But this was, the spotlight was on Australia and people have told us that they felt Australian for the first time following us on Eurovision, which has left a really lasting impression on me because I can kind of relate to it. A lot of people were asking why Australia was involved in Eurovision in the first place. But we're like, why wouldn't we be involved? We're, we're a, a nation of, of like immigrants and, and people that have come from all corners of the globe, like especially um, Australia and, and Perth. What I love about Perth is it's multiculturalism. Like I love that we're a melting pot of culture and it's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I would, to myself, I would pass on, I would try and uh, encourage myself to have a little bit more faith in myself. There was a lot of things that I thought were completely out of reach, which I just realized I should have just tried to line the ducks up in a row a little bit better instead of viewing everything in such a, like a, a, a calamitous way maybe you know like so for example like I I wanted to get into like I would love to have done acting or studying acting but for me I was like oh well I can never be in movies that's just not going to happen rather what I should have done is just take small baby steps to achieve these goals a little bit more um, and just had a little bit of faith and just tried my best to really just do that or or study some other career that would might not be where I wanted to be right in that moment, but would set me on my way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having a little bit of faith in, in yourself um, is probably my advice to myself. For, for other young kids, like in any creative fields, I would urge them to have a fallback plan, which is something I kind of started. I, I mean, like I did, uh, I've done 
bar work. I've done, in, I work in the insurance industry, okay. um, retail. Yeah. I've done a lot of different jobs. But having a different career that is actually uh, in parallel to the one that you're interested in is actually, I think it's going to hold you in good stead. Mm. You'll want to be, if you're doing any kind of music, you'll want to get into some kind of content creation, some kind of media format where you're always in the conversation. You're somehow related to the scope of what you truly want to do so that you can be around for the opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah, because so much of what we do is like being at the right place in the right time, but also informing people yes. that this is what you're into. Yeah. Um, I know I have a lot of music friends, a lot of great talented musicians that just don't talk themselves up and it's a real shame. And I feel like a lot of my opportunities, especially with like voiceover work and yeah. doing anything, it's just from me being in people's faces saying, hey, if you need this, a voiceover, I can do that, oh, I can do that, I can do this. Yeah. If you need anyone and you just become the obvious choice. My entry into Voyager was because I, I don't know how, but I had the foresight to practice all of their songs. Like I knew, I almost knew that I was going to be in Voyager before I was in it. I was hanging around with the band for a couple of years before doing their lights. This is the thing. I was like, I got in there and I was like, I'm not their bass player, but I want to be. So I'm going to do their lights for them at the shows. I'm going to like hang out with them. Um, be, I was in a band with the two guitarists at the time, I was in their other band. So it's like, I was the obvious choice. And once I learned all the material, like I did my homework, I was in the right place at the right time. And uh, when the opportunity finally arose, I was the obvious choice. And I really want to believe that that was just, you know, oh, that was just the universe <laughs> putting me forward. But it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't learned the songs and done the done the work. Another piece of advice that I recommend for young people is to recognize the two mindsets, your fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Um, I didn't realize that I had a fixed mindset until two years ago. And uh, I was reading a book called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck um, and realized that my thinking about stuff was really defeatist and it could be changed. Yeah. So if I see my challenges as opportunities for growth, um, and not something that will defeat me. If I fail, doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just gives me an opportunity to fix it. And it gives me a chance to see what I did wrong and improve on that um, holistically. So uh, for someone like me, who's very like naturally low self-esteem, beat up on myself a lot, imposter syndrome, having this growth mindset has been really, really powerful. Want to be a future guest on Sand Gropers or maybe know someone who would be a great guest? Well, drop us a message on Instagram at Sand Gropers Podcast. And the best way to support us is by following and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd love to hear from you.